0: Kalimat, Kalimat.
1: Ismail. Welcome to Isma'o, which for those who don't know, literally means listen up. It's Kalimat Magazine's official podcast. You might remember our last two installments as contributor source mixes where our writers and staff featured their favorite songs. Now we've decided to do things a little differently. A bit of an introduction if you're not already familiar. If you're a creative person, a designer, a musician, an entrepreneur, and so on, you're involved and Arab-identified, we want to talk to you. Kelimat is a space by us, but for everyone. It's a place to highlight Arab production and culture on our own terms. So, listen up. Remember to check out the new Fall edition of the magazine at www.kelimetmagazine.com. In this edition, we feature a conversation with Halim al-Dab'a, the Egyptian composer. Many of you might not be familiar with him, but he's widely considered an important and influential figure in new music. Coming from Egypt to the United States in 1950. He played a role in New York's experimental music scene alongside such figures as Philip Glass, and he's widely regarded as one of the very first electronic music composers. In an early work of his, The Expression of Tsar, considered to be one of the first electronic music pieces ever, he recorded the traditional ceremony with his tape machines and drastically altered it, creating something completely otherworldly with the sound in an attempt to reveal something hidden deep within Producer and artist Joe Nami, who we had the pleasure to interview in the written version of the magazine, speaks to him about his life and his art.
2: 1921, so it seems like, just like yesterday. So heteroharmony is a a way of realizing that two voices that clash can create a unison. So, it's, uh, it's uh, as I say, I coined that word because that's the way I was composing music.
0: Uh, Can you give me an example of
2: hetero-harmony? Yeah. Well, my first piece I wrote in 1932. <laughs> it's called Misryet, uh-huh. belonging to music, utilizes hetero So, it was part of me before I theorized it. using it from, from the days of uh, 1932. Well, Cairo was was a very active in music, chord music, back in the 30s. People don't realize. When I premiered Masriyat, it had that elements. It didn't have, it was like contrary to what is known as chordal progression. When you have a full chord, like one, four, five, one back. So here it didn't use any. Anyways, the standard harmonization that dominates the the scene of Uh, music—harmony from 300 years of European harmony, based on chordal progression, chords as to harmonize the melody—and so. My the, the natural element of my doing, which I did it spontaneously, that there is when melody when voices clash creates another situation, creates another reality. People use what is called heterophony. Heterophony is 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 part of heterophony, and heterophony is the clashes of voices. Talking the same time, I'm talking the same time. Somebody else talking the same time. There's a clash there, but it ends up becomes a unity. It gives the one, the realization of the one thought. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could look at it from different dimensions. Could be spirit of humanity. Could it be one thought, if one idea, one one element, one energy? So the the the. And so I realized by analyzing my own music, I've been using this since I started. So most of my music has this implied theory, even though I didn't think of it as a theory. It is right there in my music. When you analyze it, you have heteraharmony. See, actually, what it was using in Egypt and in Tahrir Square, it's, it's an energy which ended up into one, you know, it, it gathered. And here I could say it's a cacophony. So he expanded the hetero into cacophony. Cacophony means it's not confusion; it's the massive voice that every individual is expressing himself. What you might think of as a cacophony, mm-hmm. and by every individual expressing himself, it it uh, it uh, crystallized itself into an energy, one energy, which really is a spark, mm-hmm. and that spark created the revolution.
0: And so, do you think that the music uh, played a part in, in being able to?
2: Uh, well, they were creating their own music mm-hmm. as they shouted, as they screamed, as they spoke. Because each one was, was an individual expressing himself. <laughs> <laughs> so the music was generated from them, you know, without a musical instrument. Yeah. It was just generating from their own self. Yeah. And that generated from our own self created this, this hetero, you know, or massive voices of what looks like a cacophony and now the danger is trying to go into it and reorganize it in a different way because then you tell every individual behave in a certain way but here the voices of each individual flashes into one idea <laughs> Well, noise, I always thought of noise as the foundation of electronic music. Mm -hmm. And it was deviated later by people imitating musical instruments, Mm -hmm. trying to cater to satisfy what they thought is have to please somebody. Mm -hmm. But the reality of it is the noise. So when I started electronic music, I always worked with noise, the noise of people, the noise of their voices and what i actually felt that is inherent in that voice that i was after to bring out Mm
1: -hmm.
2: that important you know to, to to see that noise which is around us every minute You have the noise of the street, the noise of people talking, the aeroplane, the bombs, the Mm -hmm. wars, all these are part of the noise. And all these can be transformed into another energy. That's what the idea, transform the energy of bombardment and and, uh, nuclear energy and everything into a more satisfying unified
0: Idea. So do you think that all those sounds reverberate and affect us? Oh yeah,
2: like when I did 1000 drums in uh, Colorado, the, the noise, the sound we created should have reached everybody in the world mm. <laughs> and also produced electric energy that we changed. We had a rainbow mm. out of the sound.
0: You created a rainbow? We created a rainbow. <laughs> your years of um, creating electronic music uh, compositions and all this, has your, has your idea behind your approach to, to electronic music changed throughout? Not for me,
2: no. mm-hmm. but it's, I see it changing. Yeah, the idea is changing. When I did electronic music, there was much physical of me engaged. Mm-hmm. I had to run and change a wall to create reverberation. I had to make a wall change because I needed echo, mm-hmm. physically. So I had to leave the recording room, go to the source where the sound or the impulse come from and, the, and change it physically. I had to carry a huge uh, wire recorder, like 17, 18 pounds. <laughs> so there was very no much physical involvement. Me working electronic music. It was performative. It was like a performance. Yeah, just putting things together. Now it's just a push button and a little keyboard, which is a whole different, I'm not jumping in, running out of breath like (laughs) I was (laughs) doing. Right. struggling to get the pieces together and uh, changing the voltage and affect the voltage on that mm-hmm. and, and the filtering instruments and, and if you don't have it, you create an environment to it yeah. that the sound has to travel So, so. so it's it much the, more physical It's was, was very physical
0: What about your compositions, uh, for, for your more classical compositions, orchestral compositions, and things yeah. like that? Do you see a difference between your electronic music and your, your compositional
2: music? Uh, actually, yeah, it's not... Well, the electronic music, I'm working with noise, mm-hmm. and when I write most of the music I wrote for dancers, like Martha Graham or mm. Nureyev, Margot Fontaine, when they worked with me, and Ralu Manu. Oh. 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 Is feeling the energy of those dancers becomes the elements, mm-hmm. their, you know, the bodies around, the movement, not just the dance beat. And feeling the energy of what's there and the interaction in the because each individual reflects to me a sound or a noise. So when I sit, to me every 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 individual and interact with becomes part of part of my sound, because everybody has vibration. So when I'm working with a group of dancers, every dancer has a vibration to me that I can sense the hall has a vibration, the instrument I'm using, the surrounding I see, everything is engaged with me. Mm -hmm. So that's basically, it's like electronic everything, sound is engaged, but here, here I have a different scope. I have human beings' vibrations.
0: But you're deal- also dealing with history, too, though, right? Yeah. You're dealing with this history of, 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 of compositional music that's made to be recorded. To be recorded. To be composed and composed for these types of performances, as opposed to electronic music, where there was no precedence. You are creating it. I'm
2: creating it out of the noise that, that I, am, I feel happening with me. So I mm-hmm. feel the noise, and I'm creating from the noise. Mm-hmm. And the noise, that is harsh becomes soft in a way. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt our our human being. You know, it just kind of encases us. You know, it's it's, it's part of us. Yeah.
0: A song that you composed for January twenty fifth. you're gonna perform it tomorrow, right? Yes. With everybody. Can you give us a
2: glimpse? Well I'm gonna say (laughs) habityava habit habityava habit. I'm so I shree. Habityava habit habit. You can all say that. So we're all find (laughs) habit means we fell in love. Mm-hmm. Was the 25th of January.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And we could be also fall in love on the 18th of December for the Tunis movement. Yeah. Yeah. So we can say, Hagrid, December. <laughs> so.
0: When did that song come about? How did it?
2: The sound? Yeah. How did the song become? Came How did it come uh, about? When did it? When I decided that?
0: Yeah.
2: Well, I felt the energy of the spark of the revolution it happened from one person, in a way. Mm. It's that idea that, that the basic human being sparks with the idea. You know, you come, it's all basic on human dignity, really. The uprising is, is, is feeling the human dignity. Suddenly, once you feel that human dignity, nothing can, can control it. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spark. You know, and once that spark is released, of course, you know, usually people try to harness that spark back to what it was. but, mm. And that's usually the danger.
0: They couldn't control it this time. <laughs> yeah, they
2: weren't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Have you experienced anything like that before in your 90 years?
2: In the 90 years? <laughs> well... Uh, You mean like the uprising today? And it's really incredible. I don't think there was anything like this uprising that happened in Egypt and Tunis. It's really, it's it's a cumulative of all the ages that you really have to be free. You have to recognize human dignity, which is part of everybody. There is a basic human dignity to all of us.
0: كلمات كلمات. اسمعوا
1: Well, that's it for this edition of Ismail, the podcast for Kelly Matt Magazine. You can always reach us at info at com, and don't forget to check out the new fall issue at com.